0: So, hi, everybody, uh, watching and listening and taking part in this, however you are. Um, Welcome to another of the Our New Normal sessions, where I talk with vegans from around the world about their experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, In this case, actually, I am talking with someone also about the organization that they work with. So this is kind of the first one to highlight, uh, an organization as well as we'll probably get into a little bit of personal stuff too, just to check in on you. Um, so on that note, could you give people a brief introduction to the organization and yourself as well?
1: Hi everyone. I'm Eloisa, I'm a total liberation activist and organizer. Um, the organization that I've been working with on pandemic relief during that pandemic. Is Chili's on Wheels? So, Chili's on Wheels is a vegan food justice organization. So, what we look to do is make veganism accessible to communities in need.
0: So, um, I, I know well at least within the magazine, we've I think we've touched a bit on Chili's on Wheels. Uh, Michelle's been involved in some articles, uh, but how how long has Chili's been involved or been in operation? It's been a little while, right? Based in New yeah. York
1: been a while. So Michelle started um, the organization about, I would say, now five years ago. And the whole backstory was that, you know, she was looking for um, a soup kitchen so she can, you know, help out those who were in need. And there were no vegan soup kitchens around. So she made chili, took it with her time. Uh, so they kind of started the organization together and then from there it grew. Um, so it was a mother and son duo and then people really loved um, what she was doing and it just grew into an organization from there. So the organization wasn't founded first, it was Michelle doing you know, outreach to those um, who are in need. Uh, so it's been around a while, we do um, a few things. So we have a big um, I don't like to use the word Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving um, every year. And um, every Saturday, uh, we'll have a hot meal share. So that's ongoing throughout the year. Um, And we do that, um, there's 13 chapters across the US. Um, And in New York City, we have, now we have three locations where we're doing hot meal shares. Um, That's throughout the year, and then for the pandemic relief efforts that started in March.
0: So, wow, I actually, I thought it was all based in New York. I didn't know there were other chapters. Um, so that's amazing. How how did you get involved? When did, when did you come, come on the scene?
1: So I've admired Michelle for quite a long time. Um, she's a really inspirational person. And um, I knew about Chili Sun Wheels from when it started. Uh, but I always, you know, i very involved in um, animal rights activism and I just would never find the time and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And a couple of years ago was when I joined and just became an organizer uh, from there and on. And um, in Harlem, uh, where we have uh, one location, and then at Thompson Square Park in New York downtown as well.
0: So, okay, so you, I mean, you've, I guess you've obviously kind of been involved since the before times when... Things were different. Um, how how has the pandemic changed, like the focus of the organization? I mean, or has it? Are things still kind of going the same?
1: Well, um, it's it has gotten a lot busier. So the pandemic relief came about because I saw you know this article about the New York City um, kids and you know the students, and there was nothing in place of like how are we getting these children fed. And I just had an emotional reaction, and I was like, "We got to do something." Um, so it came out of that. So the way that it's changed is that right now I think we're feeding over two hundred families. So that's individual deliveries, um, and growing. Uh, we're also delivering um, groceries to students in New York City's poorest, um, you know, neighborhoods, and also with the highest uh, houseless students population. So a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these students get all of their food from from school um, yeah. and you know, if you saw some of these school lunches it's really a shame that that's where they're feeding children uh, but that's how it's changed um, so we've expanded we're also doing micro pantries across the different boroughs and um, you know we're continuing with our hot meal share so I guess you know in the way that it's changed it's just that you know we're incredibly incredibly busy people are really in need um, even with the houseless population that we're usually around you know one of the things that we have seen is that a lot of volunteers have stopped volunteering or a lot of you know operations have shut down so they're more in need than ever and you even see it with the animals at the park they're hungry because people are not out so mm-hmm. it's just this entire effect into to the economy being closed down from people to animals that are uh, that are hungry and that are in need
0: so, um, I mean, in terms of, like, obviously, I've talked to, I think I've only talked to one person so far in New York, um, and it was a while ago, and I'm sure that talk has changed, or the the info from there has changed uh, even more. But I mean, in terms of, like, some of the restrictions and everything being placed during the pandemic, because obviously, if you're, you know, if you're giving out food or delivering groceries and everything, I guess there's, like, some pretty big things you got to consider, and, like, have people still been receptive to the idea, like of, you know, going to the park and receiving, I mean, I guess it's kind of a necessity. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, um, I think at first we were concerned, we were very concerned that we would be shut down, right? Because we're at the mm-hmm. park, out hot meals, but food is an essential, service is an essential, it's a need. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, people are extremely receptive. So the people at the park um, that we do the meal shares with, they, no chili stone wheels for years, so they're very trusting. Um, and there's some new people that have also, you know, stopped by. So we have not yet, at least, you know, while I've been there, have getting any rejection. So we've done food, we've distributed masks. We've also distributed personal care items, um, you know, soap, uh, toothbrushes, as well as hand sanitizer. So we've done, you know, a little bit of that as well. But no, they're, you know, welcoming us with open arms.
0: Well, that's that's good to hear. I know because I've I've definitely heard in the past, like, again, in the before times of, you know, food organizations having issues just involving politics and the city and all that kind of stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a real big issue here. Um, I won't deny that. I think, you know, that you can see that a lot in in the food waste, right? So New York City has a ton of waste and it's because of that. Uh, But right now, you know, I think because... There's so much need. Um, The mutual aid networks in New York have just grown. I mean, it's just New York is really such an amazing example of what people can do when we come together. (laughs) And, you know, it's filling really all the gaps and all the holes in the system where, you know, the city government or the state government or even the federal government is really not concerned with. And, of course, we should hold them accountable. But at the same time, I think it shows how much mutual aid can do. Um, and New york an amazing
0: example of that during that pandemic. Yeah, um, and so in terms of mutual aid, like I mean, I'm guessing maybe uh, before you would probably get say like donations or support from like local restaurants and grocers and stuff. I mean, has that been affected because of say closures or anything or are you finding maybe more people are coming and supporting because the restaurant isn't open so they can
1: yeah, they so have more time? That- the restaurants that have donated to us in the past have continued to donate. We've also okay. um, we've become uh, donation partners with Support and Feed, uh, which is a program that's supporting restaurants in New York City and LA. So people make donations, they make the food, and then um, they'll distribute it to different organizations. Um, we've also had a lot of individuals just donate food and donate, um, you know, monetary donations as well. Um, so I feel like it's increased. I think people want to help. I think people who are in a position to help are really stepping up and doing so. Um, so luckily, we haven't faced any issues there yet, um, and we're working with other groups as well. So currently, uh, we're working with two other mutual aid groups that are out there feeding people, and uh, yeah, just coming together.
0: Awesome. That sounds that that's good to hear. Because I mean, obviously you know, in tough times, you got to balance kind of your tough time struggle with being able to help and everything. So it's, it's good to know. Um, have you, uh, have you had to get creative at all with, I mean, obviously you're kind of doing a lot of different things now. Um, have you had to get creative to kind of like be able to provide these services and these things to people like within the restrictions?
1: Um, so, you know, I think our biggest challenge. Um, so, we've had experiences at the park where, let's say, police officers were harassed, you know, houseless people or things like that. So, then, you know, we really um, made it a point to, you know, bring masks as well, um, which is unnecessary <laughs> for the police to harass anyone. Mm-hmm. Trying to get food, I mean, over a mask. Um, but you know, I think for us the biggest challenge has been logistics. So you know, getting drivers, getting people who are comfortable being out there, even if you're doing no contact delivery, people are very concerned about you know the virus, and uh, you know or they might live with somebody who's older or things like that. But overall, you know, I think we've done rather well. Um, we haven't had to get too creative, but. It has been challenging as far as getting volunteers with cars, just because we're in New York City, so not a lot of people have cars. But also because you know, there's a, you know a fear there. Perhaps people might not want to go into certain neighborhoods because they feel well, you know that's not a good neighborhood for me to go into. You know some biases uh, play into that, and you know the people who are mostly affected are people who are already poor um, and people. Mm-hmm as well so those are the neighborhoods that we're working with where you see the largest houseless population and the poorest population so these people already have pre-existing conditions that put them at higher risk um, and they also um, you know are probably living paycheck to paycheck so people who are working in the service industry who are very very much you know very hardly hit hard hit by the pandemic and so um, we're seeing a lot of that, and it's a lot of families. And on average, our families are about um, anywhere between
0: four to eight family members. So it's quite quite a bit. Hmm. Wow. Um. So in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, you got to kind of balance all the people that you're working with, as well as like the people that you're you're that help. Um. How maybe, and this is on on a personal note too. How how is the organization and you? as well or you yourself approaching say like the issue of burnout. I mean obviously it's it's a thing anyway, but with all of this going on as well, like yeah you know, taking a break isn't necessarily something everyone can do at the same time because then the whole system kind of falls apart. So what's right. what's your uh your I mean not your secret, but what what are you doing to keep going?
1: Secret. Um you know I'm I'm a proponent of like rest, rest is power, rest is liberation and then, you know, you find yourself in the middle of a pandemic, you know, wanting to help and providing services for people. And, you know, when you even take like a day off, you feel there's a guilt that you feel there, right? There's tremendous guilt because you're like, I know I could, I could be doing more. So I think uh, for me, for Michelle, and, you know, I think it is challenging um, for us to take breaks. I'm not going to deny that that's the truth. Um, The other day, I did take a break because I had a 14-hour day the day before, and I just said, you know, if I I get to that point, I'm not going to be helpful anymore. I'm not going to be useful. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And, you know, Michelle always tells me, like, you know, take take a break, and then I always tell her. And I think a lot of people see everything that we're doing, and they think that we're this, you know, large organization with... (laughs) lot of people in behind the scenes it's really just a couple of us you know about four organizers that are really doing all of this work um and so you know we get a lot of people saying i have this great idea let's start a farm and we're like um we can't start you know a vegetable farm right now right uh but yeah the burnout is something that i guess you know we all have to address I I could be better at it. I, I could be getting a lot more rest. It's challenging to do so. Um, and uh, we try. I don't have any answers except take naps <laughs> whenever you can. Rest, sleep. You know, sleep is so important. But, uh, you know, I think I find myself, you know, not sleeping, continuously working on things because there's a sense of urgency and when you have that sense of urgency just like in your gut it's really challenging to stop and um, it's challenging to take breaks but i advocate for taking breaks But <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean plus you're you know you're in the city that never sleeps apparently so you're kind of right. going with the motto right <laughs> right
1: exactly like you don't want to become part of the system that, you know, says your value is in your productivity, but, you know, when you're in the middle of a pandemic, um, there's such urgency, you know, children are hungry, people are hungry, you know, there's people that wait for our food that perhaps have not had any food in three days, you know, yeah. so there's, there's that, you know, um, there's that sense of urgency on a different level.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think when, you, when you're when you measuring productivity for this sort of thing, it's definitely a big difference than, you know, the fat paycheck.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's, a,
0: it's a whole other thing. So
1: It's entirely different. Um, yeah. However, people do have to be mindful to not burn out and not glorify burnout, I think that, you know, in any um, activism community, I think burnout tends to be glorified quite a lot, you know, like, oh, you gave it your all and you become this martyr and it's like, oh, she burned out, or they burned out, and we don't want to glorify that, you know, because it is very real, and it doesn't, it doesn't help the work, and it doesn't help you, and it doesn't help you to help others. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something that's been touched on in some of the other talks, like for people on a personal level, but I mean, with organizations, and like I've talked with uh, the owners of a vegan business just, uh, I don't know, a day or two ago, and I mean, they're dealing with the same thing, right? Like you know, you you gotta, you gotta be able to balance it because I mean, pretty much all these things that we're working towards are not short term goals. Like, unfortunately, the change isn't going to happen in a week. Um, I think the pandemic has kind of maybe brought about some good and bad changes pretty quick, Uh, not necessarily the way we wanted them to happen. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, a lot of this is long term and you gotta, you gotta be mindful of that and think, okay, I probably should take a nap because I've got tomorrow that I'm gonna do this too, and so it's rest. it's good to hear that you're definitely pro pro rest when possible if even if you don't maybe listen.
1: <laughs> Resting is liberation, we're very pro rest um, and Michelle is very pro rest, although we want to do better obviously at implementing it in our our daily lives. Um, we're mindful and we we do check in on each other, and I think that's really. You know, that's really important to do, especially when you have such a small team, you know, and yeah. uh, you're doing various things. And, you know, there's a lot of different types of burnout. So while we go out there and we go, we do the food shopping, we do the deliveries, we do all that. We're also constantly on our devices, communicating with people who are in need, setting up a donation, replying to me. So it's also communication fatigue. So it all adds up. Um, so we try to be as mindful as we can, although we're not <laughs> we're not great at
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, well, I'm friends with Michelle on Facebook, and like, I think almost every day I'm seeing like a shot of the back of a vehicle with bags of food or whatever, and yeah. you know, I'm just like, man, like she's out there at it again, right? And but I mean, like you said, like it's you know, it's it's not the kind of thing that okay, we can take a day off. No one needs food today, like <laughs> no problem. So, I mean, someone, someone's got to address it. And I'm, I'm really happy to know that you folks are doing what you're doing. Um, so what, what do you think this pandemic has kind of taught? I mean, whether or not it's for you personally or for maybe the organization, like what, what has the pandemic uh, sort of led to change within maybe what you're doing or within the organization? Like, I guess since sort of maybe I'm kind of trying to wrap this up in a positive way, but it doesn't have to be. People have been pretty cynical. <laughs> when I've ended these conversations, and that's fine. Um, like, is, is there something maybe that you think might change going forward for either how, how you do things or how the organization does stuff?
1: I mean, I think for me, on a personal level, um, I'm pretty anti space. so I think it only reinforced that. Um, you know, and I think that you know, on a positive level, on a positive uh, note, you know, seeing how the mutual aid groups have really sprung up in New York City and, you know, understanding that we have grassroots power and that hopefully that's what will remain out of this, right? Uh, On top of other things, I think accessibility is one of the things, you know, within that pandemic, there are so many people who for so many years have requested um, to either work from home or have access to things. And, People kept saying, no, we can't do it. And now we're <laughs> pushed to do it, right? Same thing with the transportation system in New York City. You know, people were asking for free transportation. No, we can't do it. Now all the buses are free because they have to social, they have to distance the driver from the people getting on the bus. So you can't pay for the for the bus. Um, yep. So I hope that all these things that we were pushed into because of the this pandemic remain and um, i hope for sure that the mutual aid groups uh, continue to grow i think that we have a lot of power um, in that way and i think it's really important if we're talking about you know liberation of any kind and obviously you know as a person who's an animal rights activist and a diehard vegan i hope that we, uh, we start to understand zoonotic diseases and you know how we affect the ecosystem and that animals should, you know, have their lives to live out, and you know we don't have that right over another being. And when we're talking about, you know, I think about how we're so scared of death, right? And I think that there's this fear within the pandemic. Like I'm gonna get this virus, I'm gonna die. Um, I have friends who are healthy, uh, vegan people who we like whole food plant based diet. They work out, and they've left the city because they're so fearful. And it shocks me, but hey, you know everybody does their own thing. Um, and so I think that, you know, understanding that we have a fear of death, and my hope is that when we understand that, understanding that other beings and other species also don't want to die. So here <laughs> we are trying to completely stop this. My gosh, people people die anyway, right? That's, that's what's gonna happen. We all die at some point. But here we are, like battling this pandemic, and you know, talking about what do we do? You know, how do, let's social distance, let's let's quarantine, let's find a vaccine, let's do this, let's do that. Meanwhile, for most of the world, we don't value somebody else's life, right? And so that's what gets to me, and I hope that somehow this pandemic um, brings about some awareness. Of what it is to value life, right? Because that's what that's what we're really dealing with. I think it's our fear of death, right? So we're gonna die anyhow, but here's a pandemic to take us out quickly, you know, much quicker. Um, and that's what we're really faced with, right? It's that fear. Um, and that's what we're trying to stop. And and I hope that that leads us to understanding, you know, that value and that you know all beings, you know, in have inherent value.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like something on this scale, right, has changed, or at least, again, not not really the way I wanted it to happen, but has put more people in the shoes of so many others, um, both, you know, human and non-human, because, like you mentioned, like, in terms of, like, ableism and everything, like, there's so many people that their regular lives have been involved with, like, say, wearing a mask or being conscious of going out and everything else, Absolutely. and now you know, now every, so many more people are like, oh, and so hopefully people think, well, this is what my daily life was like, this is why I want to work from home, and, um, you know, and say, like, um, in terms of, like, poverty, or, like, food access, and everything, that's changed for a lot of people, and then again, yeah, just the general idea of, like, I would rather not die, or being so panicked about having to stay within a, a space that is nowhere near the space of, you know, what so many beings are dealing with, Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, this is going to provide a lot of examples that people can maybe be a little more aware. And I mean, for me, like uh, where I've, I've been based in like Southeast Asia during this whole thing and it started, I mean, it was started in China in what, like November, December, depending on who you, who you listen to. Um, So, I mean, it was on our radar here in Vietnam, like fairly quick, but so much of the West, didn't really care about it until like March, even though, I mean, the first cases in like Canada and the States and Britain and everything were in January, but there was that idea of like, Oh, it's a thing for over there. Like oh,
1: yeah, the other. And, you know, I think that that's, yeah. has been a big issue with this. So I remember back in December, January, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about like, are you getting ready for the pandemic? So for us, because, you know, we're in this space where we constantly talk about, you know, issues not only pertaining to the U.S., but global issues, um, and he's started of getting ready early, and it's like, you know, the U.S. government obviously um, didn't, and that is the problem of when you're othering, right? So it's, it's over there. You know, it's the same issue with human trafficking in the U.S. It's over there. It's those countries. It's those underdeveloped countries, as people like to say, right? Um, yeah. And so now we're here, and we're in the middle of it, and New York City has one of the highest rates of, you know, deaths because we're on top of each other. You know, we're in close quarters. And, um, you know, it's, it's affecting us greatly. I mean, I think it's going to change the face of New York City. As so many businesses are shutting down. And uh, because they depend on walk, uh, walking traffic and all of that, and so many people have also left the city as well. So I don't think this is something that's going to be over in a year. I think that we're going to see the effects of it for years to come. And I think in a city like New York, it's going to be really, really um, a very deep impact of how the economy being shut down has will affect us and it's affecting us now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I will say on, on one note, um, the fact that the fact that you're still going out and kind of being within the community is... Is maybe good, at least in terms of um, kind of keeping you, I guess, um, feeling like that's normal. Because for me, yeah. like um, here we had, you know, kind of, it wasn't called a lockdown. Uh, they didn't want to use that term, but there were some pretty serious, like, mobility restrictions, I'll say. And like, I self isolated for a while. And my partner was in another city. And then when I went to visit her, they had kind of pulled back a lot of the restrictions. And so suddenly, like we went out to cafes and stuff and I was just very much like aware of the fact that, you know, I mean, I had to take a bus to get there and there were other people and I was just very much like, wow. Cause for like weeks I basically, you know, would run out to the market, get some groceries and then stay home for days. And I've got friends that even though we've been out of most of restrictions for weeks now, I've got some friends that are kind of still holding back here in Saigon. Um, and that's, not even considering my friends in Canada. like, and some of the people I've talked to are very like we're getting anxiety just from looking at some of my photos on social media of like me at a cafe or whatever. they were like, no, right. so, so so maybe at least you're that's still normal for you, maybe. Uh,
1: I agree with you. So you know when they implemented the uh, the shelter in, that's what they call it here, shelter mm-hmm. in, you know, it was do not leave your house unless it's essential. I saw the city change from everybody's out to it being completely empty. I had never yeah. been, even after 9-11, I had never seen Manhattan this desolate. Um, it was a really strange feeling. I mean, I took a bus just to see, like, the whole city and everywhere. every Everywhere was empty. Um, and so I have been having a, a very different and you know all yep. my friends because I've been going out. I've never quarantined. I've never you know Self-isolated or anything like that because I've been doing this work um, And a friend of mine came to volunteer with me and he felt really strange being around people and being close to them because he had been in his home for like a whole month for about four weeks and taking walks by himself and he had to sit like on the bench like away from everybody for a minute because it had affected him so much psychologically. And for me, I'm having a a little bit of a challenging time um, connecting with people who are quarantining, who are, let's say, healthy and, um, you know, and I understand that there's fear, but like young and healthy and with no pre-existing conditions. And on top of that, you know, you're a healthy, you know, plant-based eater. Um, And I, I have to check myself on that because I, I get like a little bit like, I don't want to say annoyed, but I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's a fearful thing. But then you're also letting the media play into those fears and, you know, everything that's happening. And uh, I haven't quarantined. I've been out. And that's not an experience that most people have had. And so that has created a little bit of a barrier for me and perhaps some of my friends where they're like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about and on a day off. I want to be outside. I want to be at the park. Like sometimes I don't want to be doing uh, the pandemic relief seven days a week. I need a break. And so mm-hmm. I have friends tell me, you shouldn't be outside right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm outside every day. Meanwhile, they're co- they're at home, isolating themselves. And it's almost like, for me, I take offense to them saying that because I'm outside doing something you're inside because you're fearful. I shouldn't be outside. So it's definitely a challenge and I think um you know I've never had a fear of catching the virus. I've always been concerned like what if I'm a silent carrier and so I've always taken precautions with gloves with masks, whatever. You know, I don't know how effective they are, but you do the best you can in hopes that it works, right? And you um you know, practice social distances, physical distancing while you're outdoors as well and you know, um talking to people. But one of the challenges with that is, is like when you're giving food to people and they're already um, in a situation where they might uh, be looked down upon, especially when you're talking about poor people, houses, people, they feel rejected. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and I saw that happen. Somebody came over and it was so sad because he's like, I'm not sick. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, why would, why won't you hand me that me that you know and it, it wasn't it was with another volunteer and so you also don't want to cause that feeling in other people and you have to kind of evaluate um beyond what you know the World Health Organization is saying you know a lot of these things are trials we don't really know you know what I mean are you really perhaps going to catch COVID-19 from handing somebody food you know you're saying we should be others, and I understand it's about minimizing um, the spread of the disease, but you take all those things into consideration, and so when people are isolating themselves, and they have or perhaps they don't get along with their roommate perhaps they're uncomfortable i mean there's so many different things so when people advocate for this use of courses um you know i find it really challenging to i don't agree with it and i find it really challenging to understand that so i think for me with some of my friends that has been a um, a bit of a disconnect you know the Mayor, uh, the governor implemented a $1,000 fine if you weren't following the rules. Who the heck has $1,000 to pay while everybody's losing their jobs? You know? Yeah. That instill fear in people. And so I'm, I'm of the belief that the government should suggest things we could do. I'm not of the, of the belief that they should force us um, to do so. And so that definitely creates a, a disconnect. Um, for me uh, when I see people supporting uh, the police in in the brutality, really, because there's been so many videos in New York City of them aggressively targeting people, unnecessarily so.
0: And I mean, then, like, I think it also falls into the idea that you have to believe that maybe it'll all be applied equally. Right? Like, which which it won't. I mean, statistically it's not.
1: I think out of, like, 40 arrests that they had in New York City. Um, I think 30 something were uh, black people. The others were uh, Latinos, Latinx, and then the others were, it was one white person, right? And so, you know, and you know, my friend goes like, wow, that white person must have been doing something really crazy to get arrested. Like how did that one white person end up on that list, right? and yeah you have to believe that it's gonna be applied equally and even if it were applied equally I don't support it but the fact that it's not applied equally you know then makes me support it even less you know
0: yeah yeah I mean here like there there are fines Um, and I mean like I guess relatives like the income of a lot of people it's it could be you know a hit Um, I mean, in terms of, like, U.S. dollars, it's, like, 2 to $3, I think, if you're out not wearing a mask. Um, And I haven't heard of a lot of cases. I've heard of a few where, like, maybe there were some, some guys who were drunk, like, in the day, and then the cops were like, hey, you know, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. And they took offense to it and threw a punch or whatever. And so, I mean, things escalated. One guy, I believe, actually got a prison sentence, which I'm just like, okay, you know, maybe maybe calm down putting more people in prison during all this isn't exactly a great response maybe not necessarily a great response at any time but like at this point maybe we should be kind of trying to like limit how many people are in confined spaces um so yeah it's it's been interesting and i mean there's it's it's funny to see um like there have been some debates back home in canada about like this sort of precaution or that sort of precaution. Um, Like they've been, one airline's been talking about, okay, we're going to do temperature checks. And then there's people saying, well, that's like a privacy violation. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if your temperature is like a serious privacy issue. I mean, if you've got a fever and you're sweating, people can generally tell that person's, you know, warm. Um, Whereas here, like, and it's, the whole thing has been kind of interesting for me because there's been stuff that like, Maybe I've accepted that, like six months ago, I was fighting against like border closures, which six months ago, especially when it came to the states, I was very much like, "No, no, 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 you don't need to be doing this stuff, but in terms of like trying to handle this, I mean one of the reasons why Vietnam has done so well, and I mean, now like we have basically no restrictions, haven't had a community uh spread case in like over a month, um, it's because like. They just shut everything down to like the outside world. And I wrote about this on Medium like a while ago that one of my concerns and kind of touching on like people who've been quarantining and everything, one of my concerns is how how we manage to get out of this, not necessarily if there's a second wave or whatever, but like mentally to get back into the idea of like other people are okay. <laughs> and you know, we should accept them and be loving and compassionate, not like Okay, get away from me.
1: And I think that that concerns me. So, because I've been out this whole time, I have seen when people get into arguments with another person because you're not exactly six feet away from me, you know? And it's just, I've seen the arguments, I've seen people be scared of other people. And so, there's this fear that other people are now not okay. And not only that, you know, there's an increase in racism towards Asian people. Um, You know, I've seen that too. And, and even um, people who work in uh, on the front lines, even nurses or things like that. So all of this fear is leading to people reacting in such ways that are that are not peaceful, right? Because we're being yeah. told every day other people are not okay. And you know, even when they um closed, you know, traveled into the US, it was only done from specific places, specific countries, but because of the current MN And the way the belief system is within that administration, they didn't stop travel from Europe. And so that's how we ended up in the situation that we're in, right? So Vietnam probably said, let's just shut all the borders. Nobody's coming in or whatnot. That's not what the U.S. did. Um, You know, the U.S. decided what they decided um, based on their beliefs that it was perhaps maybe only certain people, or people of color, whether Asian or brown people, um, that were carrying the virus. So here we are because of that belief
0: system. Yeah, it's, um, (laughs) and I guess we're not, we're not really wrapping up on a positive note, maybe. Um, (laughs) Which, like I said, is (laughs) fine. We
1: can still do it. We can still do it. We can wrap (laughs) up on a positive note.
0: But I mean, it's like, it's okay, because I mean, this is, you know, it's a strange, weird time that yeah, like, there have been great things such as, like, this sort of flourishing of mutual aid and stuff, and people kind of realizing, like, to kind of counter what we were just saying about people are bad, that people are also realizing, like, look, my ne- my neighbor needs help. I can help my neighbor while maybe, you know, still within these restrictions. And, you know, people are even finding out who their neighbors are, <laughs> which maybe <laughs> you wouldn't do, right? And, um, and also, like, I think it has put more, um, For me, actually, on a personal level, like it's put more pressure on me to actually like reach out to people. Like this whole series started because I was self-isolating. My partner was gone, and I was like, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll have like the calls with my parents and stuff every now and then. But for the most part, it's just like a couple messages on Twitter or Facebook to other people. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm in touch with them. I know what they're doing. But like to actually say, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation. I've learned things about friends of mine that I talk with during this. That I've known for like 10 or 12 years and then I start talking within a few minutes. I'm like, oh I didn't know that or whatever right like the little things Um, and then there's other people who I've been in touch with online for years that I didn't even know how their name like what their name was pronounced like or anything because I never had to say it because we never really talked but you know so this it's been interesting in that way like along with the fear of people being like oh people are bad I feel like it's also pushed us to make more connections maybe just like virtually so it's gonna be interesting like I mean there's so many things obviously we talk about the economy trying to get out of this and how's that gonna work and is there gonna be a second wave and stuff and I mean there's the mental health like it's gonna be a long thing for for everybody but I think yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how we all kind of you know finally open the doors and go okay I kind of remember what the world was like, but, you know, how do I sit at a cafe and, like, talk with people? And how do I go to, like, a festival? I mean, the idea of being around, you know, 300,000 people or, like, going to Madison Square Gardens for a show right now just seems like a weird concept.
1: Dancing, like, that's my thing. I I want, you know, I, I want to think that people who are... You have this fear of other people are in the minority. Um, You know, I do have to say that because I'm around people that are doing such great work, I do see a lot of amazing positive things on a daily basis. Um, But for me, I want to go dancing. I want to move. Like, movement is so important. And I want to be around people who are comfortable being around each other, sweating and touching each other and having fun. And I think that, that is so important and so hopefully um you know when the when the shelter in um is lifted you know we'll be able to get back to that i hope that fear has not taken over those people that's that's my hope you know yeah. that we we need touch we need closeness and you know not having that is also detrimental to your health right being in constant stress that in anxiety is also detrimental So I think that, you know, when all these different city officials and different governments were talking about lockdown and shelter, nobody really thought that much about mental health. And so, you know, there's that aspect of it as well. So hopefully, you know, we'll come out of this stronger, wiser, you know, with more awareness.
0: I for a second I thought you were gonna go the daft punk route with the what is it, stronger, faster.
1: Stronger, faster, bigger, what is it? Faster, better,
0: like yeah. See, you gotta you gotta start doing the online dance parties now and get the Daft Punk back in your head.
1: I know, I know <laughs> wow well, daft punk like years ago. But they just had the New York City um dance parade, which is every year and it's all uh dance from all different parts of the world and it was online, and so that that doesn't work as well online. I know it'll print it opens it up for a lot of people, but there is something about seeing it in person. Hopefully yeah. now they can do both. They will do it online and in person, so I really I really miss that um, this year. So a lot of things work, and some things perhaps not as, as well. I do a lot of dancing in my apartment. Just Just to be clear, I am getting the dancing in. It's just in my apartment. By myself.
0: Oh. Okay. I was gonna That's say. I mean, maybe at the very least, like, while you're driving around with somebody else, you can at least like break some moves, oh. do some carpool karaoke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do. I, I I just got like that yesterday. My friend was like, "All right, all right, all right. You're a little, you're a little too happy for me right now. <laughs> this is a little too pop. I don't even really like pop music." But he was like, "Cause I was just like getting the party started, you know." But hopefully,
0: Actually i mean i'm not uh, just because we were talking about cars and music i mean are radio stations and everything still do people still listen to radio stations yes they must like i haven't listened to it here because like it would be in vietnamese and i don't even think i have a thing with a radio on it but yeah, I-, I mean i guess like our djs and stuff still going into work
1: um so, because I was yeah. with this volunteer the other day, and he had a morning radio, and I hate morning radio, and so I was like, <laughs> I do not want to hear these people talking. Like, I just want to listen to music. I've never been a person to like morning radio. Like, I like NPR, you know what I mean? I like something that's giving me information. But morning radio is very like, I'm going to call this person and pretend to be this other person and play some joke. I like joking around, but I don't know there's something about morning this type of morning radio that I don't like where it's just like it's too much so yeah. I think people we'll still listen to radio as I confirmed the other day by this uh experience right. I
0: had. and it's, yeah. it's still having huh yeah I mean I guess normally like they're kind of in a booth on their own or whatever or with their other host. but yeah. I was like I wonder I mean would that be an essential service especially now in this sort of modern world but maybe so um
1: yeah, probably just in a booth recording I would say
0: yeah, maybe now they're going to end up having to start doing, like, the plastic borders and stuff if they have any, anyone in. Although, I mean, I feel like now they can probably just do a lot of call-ins. So. Yeah. But see, I'm learning something new. I mean, I learned lots of other things from you so far, but I just had this realization of, like, is radio still happening? Because I've been watching um, – I usually get a bunch of my news from, like, a lot of the late-night talk show hosts, and, like, I've become – accustomed now to seeing them just hanging out in their living rooms and stuff which yeah, right. when, I, when I first heard that that was going to happen that like Colbert and Seth Myers and stuff were going to be doing no audience in the studio I was just like I can't that was too bleak for me like even though all this other stuff was happening and I have all these facts and figures of like the world being hit by it that was my moment where I was like wait <laughs> what so Colbert's gonna do a monologue with no audience yeah. like I don't want to listen to no laughter that's just really sad although obviously other things were way sadder (laughs) but like now i've gotten used to the fact that he's like his family is his production crew and he's like hanging out in like a t-shirt or whatever and
1: yeah and i think it works i i've seen it and i think you know he's still just and i think he delivers so you know, I think for me, um, you know, I still love it. I think, you know, he's doing great. And so there's things like that. I think that we're learning like, wow, we don't need all the extra. Perhaps we need less and this is good. We're learning, yeah. um, you know, that we don't need as much as we think we do. Right. So I think that that's, that's a positive that
0: comes out of yeah. that. It's been um. It's also been maybe a little, it helped boost me about doing these because, like, I've watched them interviewing, like, Hollywood celebrities. And, you know, we're talking, like, no studio lighting, no makeup crew and whatever. And so they're just kind of, like, laid back, casual. I think, I can't remember who I watched. I think Jason Bateman did one. And he had it set up so, like, he was just, the camera was, like, looking out the, the windows of his house And I could see, like, his family going back and forth. And I was just, like, one of these days, something embarrassing is going to happen. Like, um, another one that I love was uh, Daniel Radcliffe from, like, Harry Potter and stuff was interviewing. But they spent, like, the first three or four minutes trying to get his mic to work. And he, like, (laughs) Colbert couldn't hear him. And then they just talked about Legos for, like, 20 minutes. And I was like, oh, they're regular people. Wow. (laughs)
1: difficulties affect everyone. (laughs) Yeah but they're not but
0: yeah they are yeah so I was just like okay that's cool if I have some glitches with my you know my sessions and my podcast and whatever Daniel Radcliffe couldn't get his mic to work so whatever
1: I've also seen like the extreme of that where like you know I'm attending an online event like some activism event and you know it's like promoted as like very professional we're gonna learn this or that and then like i've seen this a guy like on his bed just like kind of laying there and it's his bedroom and i was like okay we're taking it too far (laughs) like there needs to be some kind of etiquette here so you know i think it works but i think sometimes some people can take it way far
0: yeah i am i started i sort of dabbled in like online teaching and by that i mean i did like one hour session um and it's just sort of like a random drop in like people Uh, The trial for students is, like, a 15-minute thing. So usually when you're starting off and you don't have a reputation, those are the people you're getting. And, like, one person I talked to, she was doing, like, a PhD, I think, in Brazil around, like, solar power and, like, renewable energy and everything. And it was, like, a pretty good conversation. And she had kind of, like, a decent background. But then, like, after that ended, a while later, I was suddenly chatting to, I think it was a guy in China who I could tell was just, like, laying on his bed with, like, you know his phone just doing this and I was just kind of <laughs> like I was like I don't I don't feel very much like a teacher right now just right. hanging out and I mean it was fun to like have these windows open to like different people in different worlds and stuff. but yeah there's I think there's a line
1: where you yeah. got to at least yeah. at the very
0: least I try and have like a white background and like okay lighting but you, you can't be too casual about it at least yeah. if you're trying to present
1: Or like there's always the issue where you can't even see that person. I'm like, well, did you turn on the (laughs) the lights? Like, I, you know, we are video conferencing. I do want to see your face. You know, I want to feel connected because it does help, you know, with that connection, right? It's not just like being on the phone. It's just like you get to see somebody's expression and uh, their face and all that stuff. So, yeah, but there is definitely a line. I've seen quite some stuff. I don't want to see anybody's underwear or anything, you know, you know, that, you know, or people like they just start eating, you know what I mean? It's like mute your microphone. They're just like having a whole meal, interrupting a meeting. And you're like, what's going on here? Mute your microphone.
0: And it's it's got to be something. It's got to be either really crunchy or really chewy, right? Like it can't be (laughs) in between.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Um. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up by saying thank you for for being professional with this, um, but also a little casual. I don't I'm glad that we weren't like super serious and um, total business. That's I don't I don't really like having it at that point. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's great to hear what you're doing and what Chili's on Wheels is doing, and I hope you're able to continue doing it for a long time. But take breaks as you mentioned. Listen to yourself.
1: Absolutely. Respect
0: the nap. Um. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that should be a shirt, like right there, yeah. or like a what is it, like a onesie, a pajama set, maybe. Yeah.
1: Respect.
0: There you go. If if you That's, make that happen, okay. I want a royalty.
1: Sorry, during during this whole lockdown, right? Everybody is learning ten languages, starting fifty businesses. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Just respect the nap.
1: Yeah, respect the nap.
0: All right. Well, I hope uh, it's it's evening for you, right? You're heading into the night. Thank you about nine already
1: okay cool thank you for having me this was great
0: yeah I'm, i'm glad we could make it work so um maybe we'll we'll cross paths somewhere along the lines and uh tell michelle i said hi when you see her next
1: i will thanks so much have a good night